Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Welcome back to episode 70 of the On the Table Gaming Podcast. I'm Chase, and today Josh and I are going to be talking about the newly released On an Open Field scenario and the first in battle mini campaign. Uh, before we do that, Josh, how you been holding up? <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive, I mean, Chase. Holding up is the term here, right? Yeah, that's right. We're in our we're in our, we're in our Connecticut bunker. It's weird, man. It's it's kind of especially like uh, frustrating for someone who really likes tabletop, like you know the social aspect of it that we just can't do any of that right now. Yeah, uh, I mean we're basically looking at the next. Well, I mean I don't know if we have a definitive date, but I'm thinking like it's going to be a month or so until I play any tabletop games at least. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, which is like, obviously like that's the least of anybody's concerns in like, right. Life. Right, yeah, right, right. I don't want to trivialize the situation here. No, no, no. But at the uh, same time, it's also like, especially like, Oh man, like, you know, <laughs> the, the one thing we yeah. like to do the most, <laughs> you just can't, can't pull it off. You really need other what, people for it. And I think for a lot of people, like this is a, a social activity. It's also like a distraction. Yeah. It's been really disheartening to already hear people uh, losing their jobs or, or having things cut back. And, uh, you know, there's not, um, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of tough stuff going on. And sometimes it's nice, you know, in the midst of all of that, just to take a breath and like distract for half an hour, for an hour, you know, whatever, sure. play a game and then come back to it. I feel bad for, especially like I have a friend who owns a, you know, a board game store and, uh, they just, you know, he, like they're, they're stuck. Like they can't, you know, they can't have customers come in, you know? Uh, so I don't know how he's going to survive like as a business, uh, which is really unfortunate because it's a really cool space, but um, I think what people, a lot of people have been doing, which has been helpful, is like ordering board games from them or, or keeping their like sort of memberships open um, just to make sure that those guys can kind of keep the lights on and we'll be around again once this all blows over. I think and that's exactly right. And I think the, the big takeaway is here. Maybe it's even worth just reaching out to your local gaming store on social media or give the actual physical store a call if it's you're in a location where stores are still open and, mm -hmm. just, you know, ask even like, hey, what can I do to help? You know, you might even consider buying some gift cards if they do that. And then yep. waiting to cash them in when things are things are better. Uh, I, I think uh, it, they're they're going to be they're going to have a really hard time ahead. And and so you know if we can kind of make it a little easier for them without obviously you know if your financial situation is also drastically impacted, then that's probably not something that you can do, and that's right. totally appropriate also. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like you feel you feel especially bad for them. You know our old our old jujitsu gym. Uh, oh, you God, know yeah. how, how do they how do they stay open? And it's really uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's hard times all around. And I think that's like one of the, it's been both like really positive and negative, not to go like, you know, too much in this topic, but yeah. just seeing how communities have come together. And, uh, you know, you know, I go to the you know grocery store and I'm trying to find toilet paper and that can be a little discouraging. It sort of seems like, you know, dog eat dog out there, but then you're seeing these other communities that are like really pulling together and supporting each other. And so if people have suggestions on ways that we can, um, you know, help support the Song of Ice and Fire community. Like, please let us know. Shoot us a message on our Facebook page. Um, we are trying to find ways to provide more entertainment and content for you guys. Uh, we have in the works, as we speak, a, a tabletop simulator tournament that we're going to try and run and stream. And we've been kind of experimenting more with tabletop simulator just kind of in general. We had, I mean, I guess that's, that's a really awesome tool. Uh, I think, you know, this is a good time to get into your painting and, and, you know, kind of catch up on that, especially for myself, uh, you know, having hours and hours and hours in the house, um, you know, maybe this is a good chance for me to kind of finally get some full units completed, <laughs> but no promises. 
but yeah, tabletop simulator is, um, you know, the, the mod I would say is, is pretty good. Obviously it's like, you know, learning the interface is a little bit challenging. We, you know, we had our first test game and it took a little while to get going, but I mean, it is one way that you can play with, you know, with the current situation. Yeah. And in some ways, that's a you know way to stay connected with people. And I know in the main a song of Ice and Fire Discord, there's a sub channel that people can can use to to connect there. And uh, you know sometimes it's just cool to get on voice with somebody and and talk about the game you love. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's good to have like a little bit of a reprieve and and some you know so, social contact where it's like you know you're just not focusing on you know the crazy news every five minutes. It's like something kind of frivolous and fun, and and that's a good way to just kind of like you know escape for a little while so we'll probably be checking in this topic will probably come up again in future episodes it seems like it's going to be a thing for a while but let's shift gear and and you know let's think about the hobby side the fun side the the part that can be distracting and you know the enjoyable part of a song of ice and fire we've had uh in response to this come on games has actually released a bunch of stuff they were working on and so people have stuff to do at home but we've got you know a, a scenario on an open field which is kind of a cool, really new one. And then there's actually a mini campaign first in battle. That we can oh, go I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited about the campaign. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's, let's ease in on that. Then let's start with the on an open field here. So famously quoted from uh, Robert, Bobby B, Robert Baratheon talking about the dangers Bobby of B. the uh, Bobby B, <laughs> uh, the dangers of the Dothraki and facing them. Uh, the first thing I, I kind of had a chuckle was like on an open field. And uh, it doesn't have any restrictions on scenery placing, so it could be somewhat more crowded than than your typical open field, per se. Yeah. Well, I mean, granted, both of these are beta scenarios, so that's true. You know, part of this is stress testing it. You know, catching a little like um, weird rules interactions, and you know, I mean, the idea is like they throw it out there to the community, and then they get feedback. You know, like, hey, this is working really well. This is working like crap. You know, it's like it's way easier to test with like thousands of people. So this is a a good chance to kind of make your voice heard. And especially if this becomes like a tournament scenario, you know, making sure that it's balanced is really going to be helpful for everybody. So it starts off with a deployment where both sides, you have a long range deployment. So you're, you're getting up there on the battlefield and then there's three objective tokens across the middle, short range from the edge, very much similar to dance with dragons. So you might be familiar with that deployment. However, that's kind of where the similarities change. So you can pick up these tokens and the idea is you wanna rush forward and be able to get these tokens and move them into your enemy's deployment zone. So if you get the token picked up and brought into the enemy's deployment zone, you get two victory points for each round that you're controlling the objective while in that zone. But there's a catch. Uh, So as soon as you pick up the token, you are now a target. If your unit is killed while holding that token, it gives away plus two victory points when destroyed. So there's a little bit of a, a risk reward there. You got to watch out. And if you fail a panic test or you're destroyed, you also can have your opponent gets to p- basically take your token and, and assign it to one of their uh, units that's engaged with them. So, or they can place it within two inches of the unit's tray. So you got to be you got to be careful there. Watch out for the Cersei uh, whoops where they strip the ball from you. Uh, and I say ball because some people have been online saying this is this is wait isn't this like American football or something? I mean, kind of, right? It's like um, I I wish I wish <laughs> if it, I want full plate football or uh... <laughs> yes 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 I, that, I mean yeah that's kind of what it's like right and you're trying to grab the ball and get it into the opponent's end zone so it's kind of fun but then it's happening on on both sides right so you want to like get it and then hang out in their area while they're trying to kill you <laughs> so and, we'll see how well that works out and solo units can't claim the objective 
Cavalry units, though, interestingly enough, they can't perform free maneuvers uh, from their, their innate ability while claiming the objective. So I think the wording on that is a little, a little confusing. That Maybe some suggestion might be to clean it up. So they may not perform the free maneuver from the cavalry innate ability while claiming the objectives. I think they mean while controlling the objective. Right. right. Like, that you can't you can't run away because that would be ridiculously good. Like tar yeah. like Targaryens would just grab two of them and then run around in the backfield Psych. while you're <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and mean, so, I guess it, it'd be interesting because you could kind of like, I mean, if nobody picks up an objective, how does anybody win? I don't think <laughs> there is a way. I think this is kind of you remember the old feast for crows? Uh there was like a, a strategy some people would play where they would just like sit in their deployment, like the anti-play style. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah. if I don't move forward, I don't I don't lose. I think maybe some of the fear here is that the first unit that picks up the objective token, like do you want to just wait for your opponent to pick something up and then just like hammer it? Like I think I would, yeah. Yeah. So there's like a kind of a disincentive to start the game. But that oh, being like said, if you have a mm -hmm. way to perform an action. While you have the token, anytime a unit would perform an action, it may replace that action with place this unit's objective token on another friendly unit within short range. So if you have a combo, you could like run up, grab it, and then throw it into your backfield. But you're not scoring points for that then. You have to get it to them, right? So you you almost right. want to like you want to like grab it with one unit and then like pitch it forward to like somebody else who's like yeah. further ahead. It's it's interesting. I mean, like having to like slingshot it forward. I think with certain units, like if you have bunker units, like, uh, you know, sworn shields or wardens, like some of those really like sturdy units, Lannister guardsmen, you know, that might be a great way to just kind of like have somebody fast grab it yeah. while the slower units getting into position and then just kind of throw it to them and then have them sort of just bunker up in, right. in the opponent's deployment. I and I'm get waiting for, this is, this is like turning into like blood bowl. Do you remember that? Or <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting to go for uh, like dropping some uh, Jarl, the advanced raid leader, and he's like jumping in on the side of the board, and I just pitch it over a unit to him and let them run off with it. Or oh yeah, especially if you guys have like a line of like um, uh, one of the raid leaders where you can like activate oh, multiple yeah. units in a turn, oh, just like conga line it, like yes. grab it from one end and then just chuck it all the way down. I love it. I'm gonna definitely try <laughs> that out. Um, oh man, so what's fun about this game mode is it's definitely something different, and I think part of the fun oh. is coming up with like new styles of play. Um, this is definitely un, an unusual game mode. Uh, there has been some criticism. Some people want games that there, you know, there's like a hardcore contingent that like wants the game to be like more realistic. Um, you know, in the end where it's kind of limited by, we are moving trays around to represent things. This isn't yeah. like a battlefield simulator per se. Right. Right. Um, I wonder, would it be cool if they could do like a, almost like a King of the Hill type of situation? Like I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thinking I completely off topic, yeah, but sure. like just another idea for like a scenario would be like one central point that's like super important, but can only be occupied by like, you know, I don't know, three units at a time. And everyone has to kind of fight over this one center area. I mean, I think that could be kind of cool. Yeah. I wonder if they are, you know, I, I'm not a game designer. Uh, but I wonder if they're trying to keep game modes that like spread forces out so it doesn't all just clump up in one area. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Cause I guess but, the interesting thing there would be, okay, how much do I commit to this like center scrum? And then how, like, what can I, how can I take advantage of everybody being in the center? Do I take a bunch of ranged units? Like, I think that would be another, you know, maybe like, you know, sort of um, incentivize different types of units, more ranged units, more cavalry yeah. to get around the back and that kind of stuff. But I, it's cool that they're pushing the, uh, pushing the envelope and looking for other, ways to you know to play and they're saying there's going to be a few like coming out every week so i don't know how many there might be but 
it seems like that would be cool to have, you know, two, three more scenarios available. Hmm. Oh, totally. The other thing is like, you know, these game modes we have, we've been playing for a while and they're great. Uh, and I actually kind of do prefer some of the newer ones. Dance with Dragons is a blast. Fire and Blood is really interesting. And I think having some more in the rotation really switches up the way you might even approach list building. Because I think when you go to tournaments or, you know, trying to play at all competitive, you're kind of falling into just, you know, you're like, I build my list for this style game or I build my list for this style game. And those are my kind of two options. Like, what do you do when there's more styles of play than just two? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely uh, opens things up a little bit and then you have to make some harder choices, right? You know, um, so like right now, what I take is basically, you know, one, you know, one uh, army that has like a commander on the field for, I forget what the name of the mode is, but the one where the commander can mark enemy units. Yep. Uh, and uh, then one where it's an uh, NCU commander. Yeah, Fire and Blood. Yeah, Fire and Blood. So like, which yeah. is, I think my still my favorite mode of all. Um but yeah, having a commander out there and then not, and then that's like, and then from there, obviously there's some, some different options, but that's sort of like my starting point for my, my list building for tournaments. Yeah. And I just, and I wonder if in a weird way, this will actually, if there's more scenarios with kind of diverse styles of play, will that actually have like a leveling effect on list building in that you you really can't skew as hard necessarily because there might be some game mode you just shut yourself out of. Oh yeah, like, totally. You know, if I was like, oh, I want to make an all giant spam list, and it's like, okay, that you know already might not work on all scenarios, but it works on quite a few. But it, it would certainly not be optimal necessarily on this. I couldn't even pick up the objective, so I'd have to entirely count on me killing you and just hope that I can you know win by not scoring. So I guess like, how would you play this? Like, I'm I'm almost thinking that I would what I would try to do is basically, you know. Um, I would try to like just kill enough of your stuff up front and like ignore the objectives at first. So that I could just grab them and take an easy point with somebody who's like left behind. Yeah. You know? I think that, how do you avoid that with all game modes? Um, like, we had a guy, uh, we, we had Ron Krasnick's on uh, the, the night's watch national champ for Sun of us and fire 2019. And he was like, yeah, for most of my game modes, I like just smash people's faces. Like it's like, it's really hard to score and win a scenario if you're dead. Uh, and, I would agree with that. Yeah. And we had a uh, Greg young did, did some like behind the scenes math stuff. I'm not supposed to, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to share this yet, but he was uh, running all this data from uh tabletop uh, TO and other things. And, and he was like, man, one thing I noticed is like comparing different areas is that uh, mythicos has, you know, very kind of sometimes unusual scores in that there's like a lot of things getting killed and it's like a very hyper aggressive meta there. It seems that seems to really work for them. Well, and I, I mean, wonder I, is that I like just the answer to this too. Yeah, I, I I prefer just kill your opponent because then, you know, you you have to be careful though because I definitely have also screwed myself a little bit by focusing so much on killing the opponent that I ignored the objectives and did let points right. kind of get out of control. Um, so you have to balance that. But <clears throat> excuse me, I think the best thing you can do is kill your kill your opponent's units by far, just because the fewer activations they have, the fewer options they have. And if you can out activate them and, and you're doing more damage than they are, it's, you know, even if they start with like an early point lead, it's pretty, you know, easy to pull that back when you're, you know, got like an extra two, three units out there and, and they're just kind of hanging on to a narrow lead. When you play games, like in general, do you, do you like games that have like comeback mechanics or, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I remember I used to play a lot of Starcraft <laughs> Sure. and, 
if you got ahead in StarCraft, you get those like little little advances in the beginning, you win a good engagement, you might be like mm-hmm. always ahead and you just gotta like not mess up. And so yeah. now your opponent's playing catch up, they gotta catch you and you're just like, don't mess up. And I'll be, I can kind of eke out this win or, or you know, keep expanding my advantage. And, uh, you know, I've been playing a little bit more video games now with the whole, you know, shelter in place sort of stuff going on. And uh, Heroes of the Storm has a thing where like the team behind actually gets like, you know, uh, experience like bonuses so that it like kind of evens them out they're able to catch up in a weird way yeah um i don't know I mean, yeah in, in that it, specific example maybe but i don't like i like i like catch-up mechanics that aren't forced like i, I never liked like mario kart rubber banding where like you uh, know i'm i'm running a perfect race but then like a blue shell catches me or like for no okay. reason they're just faster than i am or you know like that kind of like like hand so it was like every unit towards. of yours that you couldn't do this because of like free folk but like every unit of yours that died you got like plus one no no, no. die per unit or something or, terrible idea <laughs> yeah that I, be... I think i think I, I think the way that it works like the comeback mechanic really should be like on the field and i think it's you know it's baked into the game that there's a, uh, there's always variance right and so you could have a massive come from behind victory or you could be doing everything right and then let like lose the game just because all of a sudden your dice go to poop you know right. you roll a bunch of ones <laughs> and a unit that easily should have survived have has died i think that that's still always an, a factor uh and so that kind of you know that is like sort of your like because it's not like chess right like chess like if i'm better than you i'll beat you every single time right right always but this game has that variance where you know you could outmaneuver me but if I roll better than you or play the right tactics card at the right time, you know, and you don't have a counter to it, then, you know, that's how I can sort of claim victory. I was wondering, like in the old, uh, back when I played a little bit of war machine, you either win on scenario or by assassinating the enemy's caster. And so like, even if I was getting my butt kicked, I could be like, Oh, but wait, like they have to control these objectives. I'm getting my butt kicked. But like by having to spread out on these objectives, it maybe opens themselves up for me to do like a hail Mary assassination and win. Um, but I feel like you can't really necessarily do that in this game mode because this one particular, I mean, just in, in even a, just a song of ways and fire, I feel like maybe commanders aren't necessarily designed to be, um, they're designed often to be like in combat and doing things like where Mance has his bubble. Right. But that's kind of an exception. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, they want to be up in combat. And so there's a lot of risk. Well, and that's the thing is, I think uh, commander is like, you know, they're not especially it's not like, you know, Warhammer, where if you have a captain, right. they'll have like all these crazy stats and it's really, really hard to kill them. It's like it's just as easy to kill a commander in a unit as it is to kill any w- one model in that. Unit. Right. Okay. And so Shocking they're definitely more expendable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I, we were playing on tabletop simulator. I got oh, yeah. I got. I kill. I put Jock and Hagar in your Mountains Men unit. Killed them. Killed Cersei. <laughs> Worked out pretty good. Son of a gun! Yeah, <laughs> she did not have, have a good round. No, no. I mean, I, she I was think that down by your uh, zone too. It's like son of a gun. I, I'm. That's why I kind of shy away from commanders like that are on the battlefield most of the time because they are so vulnerable. Um, I think that's one of the problems I have with Baratheons right now is that they don't have an NCU commander. Um, just because it does expose you to that risk, especially when you have cards that rely on your commander being the unit that gets targeted, um, you know, for like the bonuses and things like that. Right. It's just so much, it's so much worse when you have a card that just does stone cold nothing uh, or very, very little because, you know, your commander was dead five turns ago. Yeah, that makes sense. I think Eddard Stark is a prime example of that where it's like yeah. the, the commander version that's in a unit is so rough. <laughs> His cards really go bad as soon as he's uh, off the field. 
So, I mean, it's cool that they're dropping out these scenarios. I'm really excited to see what other ones they have. But it wasn't just the scenario. They also released their first mini campaign, first in battle. And yeah. it's a kind of like a little like an escalation campaign. Yes, exactly. It is awesome. It is really, really. I'm so pumped about it. Having read through it, it's just like, I can't wait to, to play this. So this is going to be like an all day thing, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're playing four games. Kind of be fun to do, like try and do it like that, like a tournament like an escalation yeah. tournament. So right off the bat, you're going to play. It's uh, you start at 30 points. You pick two commanders and those are the commanders you're going to use throughout the campaign. So they can't be neutral unless your chosen army is neutral. So for all of you people throwing like Roos Bolton and Targs or things like that. No, the first in battle scenario stretches over four games. We've got game of Thrones dance with dragons feast for crows and fire and blood. So that's a pretty solid roster of game modes. Yeah, those are all good ones. And each game you play after the game, you get five more points to spend on your army. And uh, you can remove one unit from your roster and its attachments to switch out. So you right. can... Um, you could like know, pull out a unit of, um, say, like a unit of wardens and then drop in uh, stagnites with a stagnite noble, you know? Right. And so you're taking out five and adding in 10 so that you're plus five overall. So you can kind of... <clears throat> gives you a little more flexibility. Some escalation modes, like you're kind of stuck with what you have to pick up front. Right. And so sometimes you take under the limit uh, initially so that you have those extra points. This allows you to pull one unit out to kind of uh, counteract that, that issue. And I mean, I think with such, with only four rounds, I guess that, that makes sense. If it was a longer campaign, it might be nice to have you like, maybe have to make some more significant choices. Yeah. Well, and I do like that they're sort of, um, you know, you're, you're, you're calling your commanders up front and you probably want to have a pretty good plan for uh, what you want to take early on. But I think what's going to be particularly interesting is how your units improve over time. Yeah. And that really changes the calculus on how effective a unit is or, or could be, um, you know, based on the experience they gain over the course of the campaign. So the idea is that in the battles themselves, you get progress points. So every time you uh, complete a certain objective, like destroying an enemy combat unit or passing three panic checks during a single game, destroying a unit containing the enemy commander or ending around unengaged in the enemy's deployment zone, which is an interesting one, or gaining at least two victory points from objectives in a single game, you gain a progress point. Now, if your unit is destroyed, it loses a progress point so you kind of have these variables. You want your units to last through the game. And if you have a, a particularly you know, clean sweep of your opponent, they might get no, no points that game, depending on, you know, I mean, I guess maybe if they get completely wiped, they probably failed three panic tests. So maybe they'll get some points. I don't know. <laughs> well, there is, there is a thing where at the end of the game, each player, regardless of what happened, you get one point to any combat unit that did not earn any progress points in the game. Okay, so everyone's going to at least something. So if you have a unit of Raiders that just, you know, got pooped on as soon as the game started, like they can still get a point. Uh, well, in that case, I'm going to just take all Raiders and we're going to get a one point and I'm just going to get hopefully something awesome because the abilities are pretty cool. Yes, 100%. Do you have any favorites on the list? I mean, I guess I'm kind of a, a bit of a sucker. I always, I like uh, just extra dice, extra wounds, extra movement, extra to hit dice, like that kind of stuff, sundering. As an ability, you know, for two points, stalwart, they're all awesome. They're all very, very good. The only thing is you can only gain one instance of each ability. Um, right. And no unit can have more than three total progress points worth of uh, sort of improvements. 
So you can't, so by you know, the, you're not going to so have a guy with like round, everything. Yeah. So by the last round, though, you'll have, and in the last round, I think you get to have, it gives you an additional five points. So you're playing a 50 point game and you might have almost all your units with cool stuff. You're going to have like, oh God. I mean, like, imagine if you had, I'm trying to think of like, what is like the absolute best scenario possible? You could probably get like berserkers with like, vicious and then maybe um you know the uh plus one attack die or like the um isn't there a plus one to hit no i guess i'm i didn't see that oh yeah plus one to hit so then you're hitting on like although that's two points too so you probably couldn't do that you'd have to do like that and something else but you could hit like a two plus no man you just gotta get you gotta pass three panic tests you gotta get in their opponent's deployment zone and sit there with an objective or something you know you gotta (laughs) Plus <laughs> one movement on an infantry tray, you know? I mean, yeah. there's some, th- these are all good stuff. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, it's supposed to be fun. It's a little zany, right? Like if you're going in totally. here and you're like a hardcore tournament player and you're like, this is imbalancing the core mechanics of the game. And it's like, well, yeah, like, yeah, it is. It but is. it's doing it for everybody. So oh, hold yeah. on to your horses. I mean, it's going to be so cool though. Cause then you're going to have like your little pet unit that's like, survived every campaign and has like it's all yeah. juiced up and has like slayed all these dudes and it's gonna be so sweet because then you'll have a whole bunch of like you know it's like your army is is becoming like a, a veterans over time which is like i think it's so fun now, i guess the only question i would have is like if a unit gets destroyed it loses a progress point i assume it doesn't remove any abilities that you've you've won right you I just don't get any points you would have earned yeah exactly so it's got kind of a safety net in there totally yeah that's awesome uh, yeah, units keep their progress points throughout the entire campaign, only losing them when spent. So once you get your thing, you're you got it. And you can scale this up three to four player campaigns. Although honestly, you know it's convenient to do three to four players. You could do this at a bigger level. Really? Um, yeah. You know, minimal min- uh, minimal modifications would make it work. But then the real interesting part is the first in battle character units where it looks like they just went, you know, had a ton of fun and slapped together some, like, what-if characters. Oh, yeah. That are, they're, like, they look like to be, like, eight or nine-point units, um, roughly guessing. I think the, what is it, the veterans are already pretty expensive for Night's Watch, so they get, some some units don't get as many updates as others, probably because they... Well, you get the scene for free. That pretty good. Exactly. So you start with these guys, so obviously you can't, like, dramatically, like, because if... If you're talking about like I get sworn swords and you get sentinels, it's like okay, or or um, stag knights rather, you know that's an eight point unit as opposed to a five point right. unit. So of course the five point unit's going to get a lot more help. <laughs> Otherwise, I think the ones that are the cheaper units that have like a lot more abilities, I think those are more interesting to me. But they're all going to oh, be good. So the so bastards we talk boys, yeah, let's do. It. You want to talk to the bastards boys? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. They got a movement of five, uh, so they have a spike mace, which is a eight six four, uh, hits on a three plus. They got a four plus armor save and a six plus morale, uh, which is pretty good. So their spiked mace ability is: if this attack uh, targets an enemy that has not activated this round, the enemy becomes vulnerable, and they have vicious, which I believe is still the same as their so that's standard their normal, ability. Yeah, spike base, right. spike, spiked mace is the same here. But where it gets interesting is Grizzly Renown. Enemies within short range of this unit suffer minus one to all morale test rolls. So that's just a bubble of of anti-morale and Jeez. prey on fear each time an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic attack panic test this unit may restore up to two wounds so this is like 
Uh, pretty good. I mean, you're going to be <laughs> having them yeah. fail panic tests and restoring wounds. This suddenly becomes like a pretty survivable unit, especially with the the morale bump. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, it's a it's still a um, cutthroat unit. You know, it's got, I guess it has plus one armor, plus one morale. So it's not going to, you know, you don't want get, getting this charged by like a bunch of Dothraki screamers or, uh, you know, knights charging into them. But man, this is going to just be so versatile in a in a list that already depends on panic tests and spreading fear. I don't know. This is that's kind of a cool, exciting unit. Totally, totally. By the way, we're going to play this, right? Like once this oh, quarantine's over, we're, we're oh playing this whole thing sure. in one day. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I'll just I'll come over at like nine a.m. with like a box of Joe, and we'll just we'll we'll just, play the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, this is great. A uh, Craycall Sentinels. That's the the Lannister version. Halberdiers. Yeah. They, they got halberdiers. Yeah, and that's like it's a cool way to go with that instead of like, you know, guardsmen. So same attack <laughs> profile eight eight four. Uh, but instead of hitting on a four plus, they hit on a three plus. So that's going to be a, a damage difference. spike. Yeah, uh, armor's the same, morale's the same. So really, they're going to be more offensive. They've got their order set for charge. You can make your free attack against an enemy before they resolve their charge attack. But now, in addition to sundering, they have the order taunt. When an enemy within short range has line of sight to this unit and activates, that enemy must make a morale t- a morale test. On a failure, it must declare a charge action if able to. So you can basically like set up people like forcing them to yep. charge into you charge into the separate charge which is yeah and it's kind of uh kind of funny because there's a lot of i mean cersei can you know help you modify people's morale so it's yeah. not going to be incredibly hard to make people uh fall into that taunt trap think about it like i wonder if you could add assault like an assault veteran to the unit too yeah oh my gosh of, yeah it's a free unit right you throw an assault veteran in there so you're paying like two points for a pretty awesome unit and then you can maybe protect or- like let's say you're lined up with crossbowmen and they're trying to charge them but then you activate your taunt they have to miss the, the crossbowmen charge into you you take your you know, free <laughs> attack then you activate them they they attack with a assault veteran okay. giving them all the bonuses like yeah obviously this is a little bit of like christmas dreamland but that could be so good if if we're christmas dreamlanding do you put sandra clegane in there with cut them down each time an Uh, enemy engage the unit fails a panic test they suffer two wounds you're gonna probably see them to fail the the for the taunt the taunt and they come in with a minus two morale and then you i don't know but this is this is the fun part right where you're just like and if anything like that happens even if it's only once in the entire campaign it'll be legendary Worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> I mean, think about and like especially if you start getting some uh progression points on these guys, like they're oh so my good. God. I love it. Yeah. So fun. What about the the sworn swords? Oh, sorry, not the sworn swords for Wolves of Winterfell. Yeah. <laughs> so they're uh speed of five. Uh they hit on a three plus, so they're eight, seven, five, four plus armor, five plus morale, which is also extremely good. Uh, so they have order last stand. When this unit is destroyed, this unit may make one free melee attack using its highest attack die value before being removed. So that's a huge one. Uh, and they have wolf's bite. Before rolling dice, this attack may gain critical blow and sundering. If it does, after this attack has been completed, unless this unit has only one remaining rank, it suffers D3 wounds. So it's sort of like a, a improvement to their regular ability because it grants uh, sundering in addition. So it doesn't add the plus one to hit, in addition to critical blow, because they already hit on a three plus. So that's, I mean, that's right. pretty nasty. Oh, and I didn't notice their middle rank instead of eight, six, five, it's eight, seven, five. So they have a little bit more of a attrition bump. 
Totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to use Wolf Spite every single time. Right? Oh, God. And that order last stand. Oh, for like the do, one last yeah, mega like, attack, you're just like, okay. Eight dice with critical blow and sundering. Uh, I'll throw on my Wolf Spite. I'll throw eight <laughs> dice, critical blow, sundering. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm taking wounds because I'm already dead. Yeah, now, that's going to be pretty I, sweet. I do wonder, though, for this, is there... I mean, it's, so it's a definitely a disincentive to try and kill this unit. So it's almost better to leave it on its last rank. Yeah. But, you know, having these things where you're going to be losing life, like, does that make it tricky in a, in a game scenario where if your unit dies, they lose a progress point? I don't think it'll matter. I feel like these guys will get their points pretty quick. Yeah. I feel like they're going to get... I, I would definitely be adding points to these guys because of their ability, too. Like, you don't need to spend the progress points on like the sundering ability or the plus i mean maybe you can add plus one to hit but maybe you'll add plus one attack die instead um oh man it's you could do some like i mean think about it you could add for three points you could give them martial training order you could all that (laughs) that's an order too so maybe not but you know plus one attack die plus one movement like you could do some really cool stuff with a unit like that but you know what's better than the wolves of winterfell i think Crow killers for the free folk. <laughs> All right. Free folk OP. Is that like people are like, oh, the Raiders are too good. Well, what would it look like if Raiders were uh, insane? <laughs> so they have movement is increased by one. So they got movement speed six now. They hit in a three plus instead of a four plus, And their profile is eight, seven, four instead of six, five, three. So they are Elite. throwing a ton of dice. Yeah, four plus armor, which is the highest armor value you can get in free book. <laughs> these guys are elite. Take that, Fens. These guys are ready to rock. They've got uh, five plus morale instead of an eight, which is also amazing. And then uh, who needs gang up when you've got merciless cunning, which gives you precision. Hits from rolls of six do not allow defense saves in a faction that you can take things like, you know, the Harma Commander that gives you like plus three dice. Or, yeah. uh, you know, Styre's got cards, the commander that will, like, uh, not Styre, uh, or Weeper has, you know, cards that will give you vicious and additional dice. So precision is amazing. And if targeting an enemy that has not activated this round, this attack may reroll any attack dice. Like That's pretty good. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then fueled by slaughter. Each time this unit destroys an enemy rank, it may restore D3 wounds and outflank. You can hold them off the battlefield instead of deploying. The start of any round as its activation, deploy this unit fully within short range of a table flank edge. So I guess when you have a a three-point unit and you're layering abilities on to make an eight-point equivalent, uh, you get a lot of abilities. (laughs) You get a lot of abilities. I mean, this is like a full-on elite unit. it's It's pretty sweet. I mean, there's no way you don't want to take uh, like Fainting Maneuver, Harma Commander, even Tormund. You bring these guys on the battlefield and you drop a Tactus card that lets them get like a free charge or you get hit and you trigger a card that's a free charge. You get these guys in as quick as you can. They're so great. They're so fun. <laughs> Ridiculous. But I love it. And then I feel bad. I know uh, there was some online teasing, but the Marshals of Castle Black, the Night's Watch, um, that's an expensive unit already, so they're not getting quite as much. Mm-hmm. Josh, let's tell the folks at home, what have they won? All right, so they're a speed of five. Uh, they have an eight, seven, six on a three plus. They have an armor save of three plus, morale of five plus. Order counterattack. When this unit is attacked in melee, after attack dice are rolled, for each blocked hit, the attacker suffers one automatic hit. And so they that's have, a typical. It, right, that's their standard ability. 
Uh, and then they have embolden. Uh, while within short range of this unit, other friendly units gain plus one to morale test rolls. Is that literally the only difference? They just got emboldened. Okay. <laughs> but it's <laughs> already an eight-point unit. You know, so it's it's a pretty powerful unit to begin with. Exactly. It's like, yeah, so the, the raider, I'm, I mean, it feels like he got five points worth of stat bumps. Well, this guy got like, you know, maybe a point. So I'm it's wondering, pretty, pretty rad. Is that plus one as I'm like laughing, like, oh, they got us emboldened. I'm trying to think of like, what, what is the ripple effect of every Night's Watch unit within short range getting plus one morale? That might be more significant than I'm, I'm actually realizing. Oh, totally. And this is a really, I mean, this is a good unit. Like regardless, like their stat line is, is really good. Like, uh, you know, the three plus armor save, they're still a speed five. They hit well. They hit you when you attack them. Like, obviously this is like a, a fun, powerful unit to use. So I don't think you're really getting short change here. You're just not getting a crazy amount of abilities because you're starting with like a much higher level unit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, uh, and then we've got the, the night song guardians. So, you know, I maybe you want to take this one because I don't play Brathian as much as you do. And, uh, yeah. these guys are very cool. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> All right. So their speed it almost five. makes you wish they were the normal ones. Feels like they should be, right? Uh, <laughs> so they hit on a three plus and it's eights across the board instead of seven, right? So that's yep. one thing. Still a four plus armor save. Boo. Same morale. Five plus morale. Uh, they have unwavering fury. When this unit attacks for each of its destroyed ranks, which still sucks, select one of the following bonuses, critical, critical blow, sundering, or vicious. And then the same added way. ability. Yeah, it's all the same. Uh, staunch defender is their added ability for each of its destroyed rank. This unit gains plus one to defense, save rolls, and roll suffers minus one wounds from any failed panic test. So that's pretty good. I, so, I, I st- wait. So on their last rank, they'd have two plus armor. That's right. And critical pretty- blow, sundering, vicious, like, and morale damage would be reduced by two. This the thing is, this feels like an eight point unit instead of. Do, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, before, it's like they saying. they're so bad for eight points, and now it's like, yeah, that's actually playable now. Like that's that's much much better. That probably, I mean, maybe this is a beta test, but then this will become like the actual stat line because it makes way more sense. Oh, don't put it out there. People have been talking about that. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be the mm. dream, right? Well, I mean, because otherwise, stagnites just—they're not going to. Nobody's going to play them unless it's for fun. Which I mean, that's that's also a valid reason to take them. But yeah, right now they're just not that good. I think the hardest part for them is that unless this becomes like a stagnite episode, but. You know, it's like, you, I feel like they need that other thing. They need some attachment or other element to put in them. But then it's like mm. you're adding on to the point value of the unit. Yeah, it's like that sunk cost fallacy. You're just like, I'm going to throw good money after bad money to like right. try to make this unit work. It's like, that's, yeah. not, that's not a good idea. You know, or just take anything else, you know. And then the final unit is Drogo's Vanguard. So they're, they're built off the Dothraki Screamers. So they still got movement speed of six. They hit on a three plus, And instead of a seven, five profile, they have an eight, five profile. Their armor is four plus, morale is six plus, so just a plus one of their armor. They still got the cavalry keywords, and then they've got Screamer's Fury. So while you control the, the attack zone, they gain Sundering, and they have outflanks, so you can bring them off the side of the table as their activation. Oh, you missed a point there. They get Sundering, and they always roll it to the highest attack die value. Oh, that's pretty good. So, I mean, what's interesting <sighs> with this is that it's Drogo's Vanguard. You clearly want to run them with the t- one of two commander choices you have. Cal Drogo, because mm-hmm. his tactics guards trigger off of that zone already. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, outflank is huge. These guys are always rolling eight dice when you control the combat zone, so they're going to be scary. Gosh. 
So I think this is a really cool scenario. I'd love to test it out. If you guys have already jumped in and you've been playing games, maybe you're quarantined with you know family or friends for whatever reason that you know all live in the same place that so you've been able to get a bunch of these games in. You know, let us know how it's been going for you. And uh, I don't know what what faction do you want to play? All these characters look so good. Honestly, yeah, it's uh, they've all got like that little fun element, and I don't think you'll have a bad time going any direction. It's like I think escalation matches are fun anyway. Throwing experience points and like sort of like these chase scenarios where like maybe I'm like gonna throw away a scenario just to get some more progress points on a unit and like really juice them up for the next one. I think that could be like a really it'll be a fun afternoon or maybe even a couple of days. Um, but yeah, it's this is so this is such a great addition to the game to have like a formal, well thought out campaign structure gosh yeah and then let's see so i guess i do have a few questions though that maybe could be clarified i get it's like a design it's in the early design and development stages um you can switch out some units and attachments um but it says you add you build your 30 point list and then you get the free character unit can you put attachments in there at the start then because you already made your list and then you add the special character unit? Guess. Or do you do it in later rounds? So just a few a few points of clarification, I think, but um this looks definitely promising. And I'm excited that Come On Games is like releasing this stuff for people in this time. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because people can pick at it and like, you know, point out certain things, but I think it's still like I, I think there's so much ground to cover with this sort of stuff. I think you know, they introduced like the whole idea of like character units uh, with Eddard's Honor Guard, but we haven't really seen too much more of that lately. Uh, I think this is a really cool way to just kind of give you, um, you know, just a little bit more like use out of your models. Like, you know, we got like uh, the Followers of Bone and the Bone Lords Chosen, right? Which are the same models technically. Yeah. But like, I mean, you could do that with literally any unit. Like, there's no reason why there couldn't be like Knights on Guardians that are like a point more or like, you know, crow killers that are like a couple points more and, and like really kind of mess with that a little bit more. I think it's um it's cool space to explore for sure. Absolutely. Well man, I'm like excited. elite units. So now the real challenge is that I mean I'm getting a ton of painting done. I've got my skin changers all worked up, but uh, the yeah. real challenge is gonna be like not really being able to play this in person for a little while. I kind of it's kind of like a a, a mixed blessing here. I mean, that is that is the downside for sure. But, you know, I think what, what will be nice is like everyone will have so much time to like sit around and theory craft that, yeah, maybe you'll see some uh, brand new looks coming out of my arm. Probably not. I, I'll do this. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that kind of covers it for today. Uh, just a few quick updates here on the back end of things. Um, I know these are really difficult times. And uh, so we're going to try and put more content out there on social media we'll try and get some more episodes going some new things on the youtube channel maybe some uh painting challenges if you guys want to do like an army parade if you want to send us pictures or on instagram use the hashtag on the table gaming we're happy to kind of share show off and showcase people's painted work uh, i think it's just kind of cool to get more community engagement uh, but the final thing is uh thank you so much to our patreon supporters if you guys have been jumping on there and even if it's just given a dollar twelve dollars a year that has actually helped us make a lot of progress on a song of ice and fire builder.com. And I was actually, you might've heard during this podcast episode, there was a, boop -dip. um, I have my buddy, Brian, Brian, the builder, who's helping me with some elements. And that funding has actually helped us get it so that right now we are just about ready to go live with being able to use Google sign-in. So I know when you used to sign into the builder, 
you'd had to have like a link emailed to you that you then click to get on there. If you got a Google account now, you can just sign in and all your lists will show up. So we're making lots of progress and it's it's through a lot of support from just all of you. So I really, really appreciate it. I know not everyone's in that position where they can do that, but for those of you that are, it is greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And guys, stay safe. Uh, you know, keep your social distancing up. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table.